Welcome to This Week in the Lectionary, a podcast for looking at, listening to, and lingering in the weekly scriptures found in the Revised Common Lectionary. Faith comes from hearing, so let us together hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Second Sunday in Lent, Year A. In this week's scriptures, we look at Abraham's call to leave his home and his family and what became the Abrahamic covenant and the faith that Abraham demonstrated in responding to that call. We will see in the psalm why the Lord can be trusted. The epistle will deal with the example of Abraham's faith and how it is the same kind of faith that we must demonstrate to have our faith reckoned as righteousness. And in the gospel, we see another example and explanation of that same faith from Jesus when we examine maybe the most familiar and popular verse in the Bible. We begin with prayer. O God, whose glory it is to always have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen. The first reading comes from Genesis chapter 12. In a time of migration of peoples about 4,000 years ago, Terah has traveled west with his son Abram, Abram's wife Sarai, and his grandson Lot from Ur, near the delta of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Terah and his family settle for a time in Haran, where Terah dies. Abram now comes to center stage. God makes a pact with Abram. If Abram will leave behind his kin and his land and his pagan past and live in the land that I will show you, cease to be a semi-nomadic, God will honor him in seven ways. Make of him a great nation, confer favor on him, make his name renowned, make him a vehicle of good fortune, show favor to those who show him favor, exclude those who show him disrespect, and as other peoples come to trust in God, they will find themselves similarly blessed. In doing as the Lord had told him, Abram shows his trust or faith in God. This covenant marks the start of communal relations with God. Being blessed seven ways is being blessed totally, he, his family, and his people. The land is identified as Canaan, and Shechem, when Abram erects an altar at a pagan shrine, the Oak of Moreh, God promises the land to his descendants. At Bethel, Abram builds another altar. God is God of the whole land. Abram and his family continue southward in stages, and due to famine, go on to Egypt to return later. Genesis 12, beginning in the first verse. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. The Word of the Lord. The psalm is Psalm 121. Perhaps a pilgrim asks the rhetorical question in verse 1, 
as he journeys through hill country, where pagan gods were once thought to dwell. He begins to answer his own question in verse 2. His help is from God, the Creator. Then another voice, perhaps a priest, continues, telling of God's protection of Israel. God is always vigilantly protecting the way of the pilgrim. God is your shade. He protects him from sunstroke and from moon rays, then thought to be harmful. He protects the faithful from all evil throughout their lives. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, and he who watches over you will not fall asleep. Behold, he who keeps watch over Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, so that the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. It is he who shall keep you safe. The Lord shall watch over your going out and your coming in, from this time forth forevermore. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The second reading comes from Romans chapter 4. Paul has written that one can attain a right relationship with God through faith without living by Mosaic law. Now he takes Abraham as an example. He asks, what can we conclude about faith versus law by looking at Abraham's life? Judaism claimed that Abraham kept the law before it was given, that he was godly or justified because his works were in accord with the law. Paul rejects this claim. Rather, it was, as Genesis shows, Abraham's faith which counted for him or was reckoned as godliness. God justifies the ungodly. For the worker, wages are expected, but for one who trusts with no certainty of reward, such trust counts with God. In verses 6 through 9, Paul quotes from Psalm 32 and Genesis, interpreting the verses jointly as showing that those who trust in God obtain his favor, whether they be keepers of the law or trusters in God. Paul then argues that because Abraham trusted in God's pact before he was circumcised, Abraham's faith and not his keeping of the law was what counted for him with God. Indeed, he says, circumcision was a confirmation of the right relationship he had attained through faith. It made Abraham ancestor of all who trust in God, both Jews and non-Jews. So the promise that Abraham would be father of many nations, inherit the world, came as a result of his faith and not his law-keeping. If the only way of achieving union with God is through keeping the law, faith is irrelevant and the promise to Abraham is nonsense. Because it is impossible to keep every law, sin is inevitable. God's response to sin is punishment, breakdown of human relations with God. The law brings wrath. But for those living by faith, transgression of the law is irrelevant. So a right relationship with God depends on faith, resting on God's promise of grace, his gift of love, made not only to Jews but also to all those who trust in God, of many nations. God spoke these words to Abraham. God gives spiritual life to the unbeliever. He restored Isaac's life when he was as good as dead. He brought a son into existence to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. They were fully convinced that God could do it. If we trust in God and have faith in the power of Christ's resurrection, our trust will count with God too. Romans 4, beginning in the first verse. 
What then are we to say we gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The word of the Lord. The gospel comes from John chapter 3. Nicodemus, a prominent Pharisee and teacher, comes to Jesus to ask him questions. He comes secretly by night, because a man of his stature could not be seen consulting Jesus. He has understood from Jesus' miracles and signs that Jesus is from God. But Jesus tells him that he has not yet understood the main point. To see the kingdom of God, spiritual birth is required. Nicodemus misunderstands. He thinks that Jesus is speaking of biological rebirth. Being born from above requires being baptized. Flesh and spirit were seen as constituents of life, of which spirit, breath, wind, pneuma, was the life-giving force. Many things can be seen only in their effect, such as birth in the spirit. Still, Nicodemus doesn't understand. In order for him to do so, he needs to have faith. Then, Jesus says, Nicodemus doesn't comprehend what can be told in analogies. So how can he possibly believe mysteries? We then get a monologue. Only Christ has descended and ascended. The serpent is mentioned in Numbers 21. The people were bitten by poisonous snakes. Some died, others became gravely ill. Instructed by God, Moses mounted or lifted up a bronze snake on a pole. Those who look at this emblem, trusting in God, were healed, lifted up, given life. God in his love provides eternal life to all who believe. If you willfully do not believe, you will perish. There is no third alternative. God's intention is that you believe rather than be condemned. John chapter 3, beginning in the first verse. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Word of the Lord. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for joining us on This Week in the Lectionary. I'm curious as to what you noticed or wonder about this week's scriptures. We'd love for you to join us in our discussion group. And if you know anyone else who could benefit from or might be a benefit to this community, feel free to share with them. May his words be a light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path in the coming week.